Who's excited about being in church today? Anybody? Right. Start the new year off right. It's good to see you guys. If you've got a Bible, let's go to Genesis chapter 3. Uh, we are today starting something that I'm excited about, and I hope that uh, you will be as well. It's called 21 Days of Prayer. You should have received uh, one of these prayer calendars when you walked in today. If you didn't, uh, grab one on the way out. We'll be referencing them uh, throughout this series. But every year at this time, we like to create some space as a church and really become intentional about our prayer time and about our time in the Word of God. And so in this series, we're going to be referencing this, going to be encouraging you guys to not only read and, and, and pray uh, together as a church, but also to fast from something. And so for some of you, that might be it's time to fast from food and do a, a food fast for a day or two days or three days or more. Uh, for some of you, it's going to be a fast from social media, a fast from TV, a fast from something that takes a lot of your time up. And so uh, the, the idea is that we would create some margin, some mental space in our brain, in our mind, in our routine, and that we would say no to that for a season so that it would give us time to be in the word of God and to pray. And so on this calendar, you're gonna see some uh, scripture on each day, but then you're also gonna see uh, a prayer prompt. And so we wanna encourage you to pray for that specifically, but there's also space on each day for you to add your own prayers in. And so this is a, a spiritual discipline that I've had for many years now. I, I pray for many different things throughout the, the course of the month. And this uh, guide that I have, it's just an Excel spreadsheet that I've got on my computer that, that uh, I include and uh, put some things in each day that uh, help me to guide my prayer. And it's not just me asking God for what I want every single time. It's, it's like, oh, I'm praying for my kids today. And then on this day, I'm praying for some needs that I know about in our community, in our church. And on this day, I'm praying for some missionaries around the world. And on this day, I'm praying for staff. And so it gives me variety. And it's a system that helps me uh, spiritually to be able to pray for a, a lot of different things. And at the, at the end of the month, when you look at that, you're like, wow, I really have been able to uh, seek the Lord on a lot of different things. And it's, and it's not just the one thing that I, you know, feel like I need God to do. So it's super helpful. I hope that you will do it and begin to think even right now, as the sermon begins, what it is you're going to, to, to fast from. Now, just a little caveat here. Uh, if you are a, a parent, you cannot fast from your kids. Okay. Uh, that's off the table. If you're married, you cannot fast from your spouse. Like you can't do that. You can't fast from work. And you don't fast from sin, you actually repent of sin. We're talking about things that will create space in your life and pursue holiness uh, in this series. The series is called One Bite. And even in the very beginning, we see temptation. That's what we're going to look at today. In 2001, there was a brand new uh, series on TV that started called Temptation Island. And the premise of the show is that we were, they were going to take uh, four different couples, not married, but they were dating, and they were going to put them on this beautiful exotic island, and they were going to split the couples up, and the guy was going to go with these four beautiful women, and, and the girl was going to go with these four handsome guys. And the premise is like, let's see who cheats on each other. And you're, you're looking at that, and you're thinking, well, that's obvious. Nothing good is going to come out of that. I don't know what type of idiot couple would go to a, a series like that and put themselves in that kind of environment. But when I think about it, it's like so often, even today, you and I as Christians put ourselves 
and the most unbelievably difficult situations. We put ourselves in these environments that almost always set us up for failure. And so we come to this season of, 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 uh, in the life of our, our life, really, in the calendar in January. And, 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 and every time this year rolls around, we start thinking about New Year's resolutions, right? We start thinking about New Year's goals. And, and why do we do that? Well, we do that because we know something needs to get better. We do that because we are reminded about the ways in which that we need to eat better and live better and have better and mentally and physically and all these things is just kind of in our culture. And the reason why is because we are broken in the sense. We're broken by sin. We've inherited a sin nature. And even in the very beginning of the world, Adam and Eve are experiencing temptation. They fail. And with one bite, the world was broken. And ever since that brokenness, we've been trying to put it back together. And we try to do it on our own. And we do it with New Year's resolutions. And we do it with self-help. And we try to do these things to improve our life. And ultimately, as a believer, we know that Christ is the only one that can truly uh, fulfill us and allow us to overcome the sin in our life. But in this series, we're going to look at temptation. We're going to look at ways to overcome temptation in our lives so that these New Year's goals could actually get accomplished this year. That even some spiritual, uh, <clears throat> spiritual uh, goals might be accomplished this year and realized this year in your life. So today we're going to look at Adam and Eve and their temptation. Next week, we're going to look at the temptation of Jesus. And then we're going to look at the temptation of David. We're going to learn how we can, in fact, overcome these temptations. But in Genesis 3, we see the first one. And what we've got to know about the enemy is that Satan is not creative, but he is effective. And the effectiveness of his strategies against Adam and Eve are essentially the same strategies that he uses against you and me. And if you think about it, uh, there are some things in your life right now that you are most likely struggling with. And so I want to start the series off by asking you to get really honest with yourself. And I want you to ask the Lord today, what is the one sin in your life that is holding you back from taking the next step spiritually? I know there's probably multiple. There might be many that come to your mind. But is there one sin in your life that God is convicting you of? Even right now, when I say that, you know that is the one area of your life that you need to lay down. You've probably confessed it before. You've tried to walk away from it before. But for whatever reasons... It still hangs around. What is that one sin in your life? Here's what I want you to do. If you're taking notes, I want you to write that down. You can kind of cover it up or, you know, don't let the person next to you see it. Type it in your phone. Go ahead and begin to put it down because we've got to identify and be honest with ourselves today. What is the sin in our life that we need to overcome? And when you become intentional about what that is, you have a much better shot at actually overcoming it. Um, now, does everybody have that sin located, understood in their mind? Now, who would like to share what that sin is? Anybody? Just kidding. If you can't think about what that sin is, you're like, man, I just can't think of the one thing right now. Go ahead and write the word pride down because that's the area that you're struggling with today. Should be pretty easy. You know, you should have multiple, you know, things vying for what's first. But I really believe that there are going to be people through this series that are actually going to get rid of that sin. They're going to have victory over that sin. They're going to turn from that sin. 
and they're going to experience freedom because of what God's going to do in your life. If you'll be, if you'll be intentional through this series, I believe God will do it. And so we pursue that together. Uh, if we understand the enemy's strategy, I think then we'll be better equipped to overcome what he's actually doing in our life to take us away from God's will. And so in Genesis 3, we're going to start in verse uh, 1. We'll see a strategy here together. Let's read it. It says, Now the serpent, Satan, was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Did God actually say, You shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden. Neither shall you touch it, lest you die. First thing I want you to see today, the Satan strategy, is that he wants to grab your attention and lie to you. He wants to grab your attention and lie to you. And so he says, did God really say, right? He begins to grab her attention. Verse 1 says that the, the enemy was more crafty than anyone else. He's more deceptive. He's more crafty. He comes to Eve and he says, did God really say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden, which is already confusing to her. God didn't say you couldn't eat of any of the trees. And he didn't say anything about touching any of these trees. He said, you can eat of everything except for the one tree, right? The one tree, don't eat of it. Or the consequence is that you will die. And so the enemy comes, he is crafty. He is grabbing her attention. He's engaging her in this conversation. And the reason he wants to grab her attention is so that he can lie to her. See, the enemy wants to grab your attention today. He wants you to be so engaged in, in, in side issues and, and various things that the world has to offer to you so that he can lie to you, so that you're not thinking about or engaged in the spirit of God in your life, so that you're not thinking about what God wants in your life, so that you're not thinking about God at all. And if he can grab our attention he can, he can have a captive audience to his lies. So let's think about how God uh, or how the enemy actually grabs our attention. It's pretty easy, isn't it? He grabs our attention from TV. He grabs our attention through social media. He grabs our attention through the music that we listen to, right? We, he grabs our attention. He shows us the beautiful woman, guys. And then all of a sudden we're inundated in this image, and now all of a sudden we are listening and reading all these things and hearing all these things that are from him, that are lies, that lead us to bondage. This is his strategy. He wants to grab your attention. And some of us are completely engaged with his plan, with his mission and not God. See, the problem is a lot of times we think desire equals truth. So if I have a desire, then it's true for me. If I have a desire, then I should pursue it. But the Bible is clear that desires can be good and desires can be bad. You have a desire to eat, right? We have to eat to stay alive. And so he gives us that desire. We have a desire to have sex, but we twist that, right? And we want to do it our way instead of God's way. And so sometimes we equate desire with truth. I have the desire. I should be able to do what I want to do when I want to do it with who I want to do it with. It's who I am. It's my truth. It's my desire. It's who, how I've been created. That's not what the Bible teaches us. 
The Bible teaches us that desire can, that does not equal truth. And, and so it can be good, it can be evil. And, and so we have to be aware of what that strategy is that the enemy is using us in our life. Some of us are addicted to 24-hour news stations. And so it's grab your attention. Did they vote in the speaker today? We're gonna watch it till 1 a.m. and we're gonna be completely inundated with this story. Some of us, the enemy has our attention today. But the opposite is true as well. It's a lot harder for the enemy to lie to you if God has your attention. It's a lot harder for you to fall into temptation and to sin if God has your attention and you are intentionally pursuing him. That's why we pray. That's why we fast. That's why we create space in our life intentionally to actually pursue him. Just to grab your attention today. Ladies, how many of you have ever been telling your, your husband a story only to realize that he is not paying attention to you? Anybody, ladies in the room? The other day, my wife was telling a story evidently and <laughs> she could tell in the middle of the story that I was not paying attention. And so she said, and then I murdered the dog. <laughs> and I was like, what? What did you, you, you just say? She was like, you haven't been listening to anything I just said, right? Do that. Try that on your husband. See if that works. What got my attention? <laughs> An outlandish statement got my attention. Something shiny, something outlandish, something that was really bizarre grabbed my attention in the midst of whatever it is I was thinking about, not listening or paying attention to her. You know, the enemy wants to get your attention with some outlandish statements. He wants to get your attention on things that are really attractive, things that grab your eyes, the shiny, attractive, the bold, right? It's the outlandish statement that you see. It's breaking news. It's never been done before in the history, you know? It's in bold print. Why? Because that's what it takes in our life. It's the bold print. It's the, it's the never, never happened before. It's the outrage, right? All of this is in front of our eyes every single day because we have a phone and a TV and, and, and the media is coming after us in all of these statements. It's the outlandish things that all of a sudden we go, huh, what are they saying? Oh, let me spend 10 hours researching that that has no impact on my life at all. I know he grabs our attention with the outlandish things in our life. He grabs our attention with social media. Whoo, that is a big one. And it used to just be young people. And now it's the 50 and 60 year olds on Facebook all the time, right? It's, it's every single one of us. Do you know that your, your phone actually tracks how much time you spend on these apps? And so I want you to do a cell phone audit today, right? This is part of your homework, a lot of homework today, right? We got the reflect and review thing that Pastor Heath was talking about. That's a great tool, by the way. You can go to our website and look at it, foothillschurch.com slash review. Helps you think about last year, helps you begin to think about the future, talk about it with your family or just your, your spouse uh, at lunch today. But then also do a social media review and, 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 and really an app review to, to see how much time this past week you spent with email, with various social media and, 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 and be honest with yourself. Some of you, don't be like me, 
Don't look at that uh, screen time app and pull it up and say, oh, no, they got that one wrong. <laughs> that can't be true. No, let's take a look at it. Let's be honest. Let's do a cell phone audit and let's see how the enemy is grabbing our attention through our phone. We know uh, that there are many studies uh, so far that have been uh, taken about how social media is impacting our, our mental health. Uh, it doesn't take long to, to Google this and you can see that research shows that there's a huge connection between social media and insomnia, depression, and anxiety. We see in a 2022 study show that people who took a one week fast from social media improved in all of those areas. Every single area was improved with just a one week fast. In 2018, there was another study that showed that a three week fast not only improved all of those areas, but also improved this feeling of being lonely. And so I wanna encourage you that if you can't think of anything else to fast, maybe social media for you is the thing that you need to give up for 21 days and create some space for God to speak to you. But why? Why do some of you freak out when I say that? You're already nervous and you're like, oh my gosh, I can't do that, I can't do that. Why? Fear of missing out. The enemy puts fear in us. We're missing out if we're not engaged in it. And that fear drives you. That fear drives you to constantly be consumed and to give your attention to the enemy so that the enemy can lie to you. Now, I'm not anti-social media, by the way. I use it. Um, I'm, I'm just saying that we have to have balance and we have to be on our guard. And sometimes it's appropriate for us to just put it away and say, you know what, I need to recharge. I need to re-engage. I need to dive in to what God is doing in my life. And this is a huge distraction because the enemy is grabbing my attention and he's lying to me. And that's why I'm depressed or anxious. That's why I'm frustrated and angry. Don't tell me it hasn't happened to you. You're having a great day. All of a sudden you pick up Facebook, you look at it and all of a sudden now you're mad at somebody in your family or mad at one of your friends. I can't believe they said that or doing that. You know, two hours later, you're still mad and upset. Why? Fear of missing out. We don't want to miss out. So we go to it and then we're upset and frustrated and mad. Then we yell at our kids and we yell at our spouse and it's this endless cycle of just negativity. Unplug, give God your attention. Uh, maybe it's Netflix. Maybe you're, you're, you're a Netflix binger, Hulu, whatever it is that you're engaging in, watching TV. I mentioned 24-hour news stations. Some of you, first thing in the morning, you get up and you watch news. Last thing you do at night when you get home, you watch the news. You know what that means? You're mad all day. <laughs> you wake up, get frustrated, and then you go to bed frustrated. You do realize, I know you realize this, but sometimes we just have to say it out loud. Whether it's on social media, a social media person that you're following or, or the news, they get paid with likes and clicks and viewership. You do realize that, right? So the more outlandish they can be, the more controversial they can be, the more fearful they can be, you gotta see it. <laughs> you gotta watch it tonight, every single night. How, how much has the news changed your life for the good? How much has the news helped your marriage grow? How much has the news helped you make disciples in 2022? My guess is not 
very much at all. In fact, the news really hasn't impacted you in a positive way. You haven't done anything to help the country or the world except complain to your wife, which has hurt your marriage, <laughs> right? Why do we do it? Why are we, why are we letting the enemy grab our attention on these things? I'm not saying it's, we don't need to be engaged in what's happening in the world, but I feel like the hooks of the enemy are so entangled into the church and into Christians that we have lost all sense of who we are and what we're called to be. And we're worried and complaining about things that non-Christians are worried and complaining about. And it's like, what's the difference? What are you doing? You're, you're ruining the chance that God has given to you to make an impact, to make disciples, to change actually someone's life by being life-giving instead of being energy-sucking, right? And so we have to understand that this is part of it. And, and I also want to say this. Some, some of you are following people on TikTok. You're following Twitter, and you're getting your information from these people. And you know what they say that grabs your attention? Nobody knows this. Why isn't anybody talking about this? Let me show you this. And it's like the secret that they have. And all of a sudden you're like, oh my gosh, the world is flat? What? <laughs> Let me just follow this. And it's a YouTube spiral. And all of a sudden you're watching all these people that you don't know who are getting paid every single time you click and share. And every minute you are watching, they are getting paid. So of course they're gonna do it. They're feeding their family. They're going on vacation to Destin because you are inundated with this crap. God has given you a church. He's given you a church family. He's given you spiritual leaders in your life. Instead of trusting people on TikTok with their theology and something that nobody knows about, right? I promise you, we, our staff, we're not perfect. We're not the smartest guys in the world, but we've researched and we've studied. I would advise you to come talk to your small group leader, come talk to one of your pastors about whatever rat hole you've been finding yourself digging in before you get yourself in a lot of trouble. Before you leave your faith, you leave your friends, you leave your church, and you end up on an island all by yourself thinking you have discovered the secret thing. And in fact, you've just let the enemy grab your attention and lie to you and ruin relationships in the course of your exit. Anybody listening to me this morning? You, we, we are being lied to on a daily basis and we're running to it. We can't wait for it. And so this is the enemy strategy. We have to understand that what we consume, we become. Whatever you're consuming, you're becoming. If you're consuming all of this junk from social media and news and all of this stuff, you are becoming that person that is negative and critical and upset lacks faith, isn't making an impact for the kingdom of God. If you're consuming pornography every single day, you're ruining your sex life. You're ruining your marriage. And this isn't just a good idea. This is sin that is in our life that is distracting us, that the enemy is using to get us outside of God's will. And my question for you is, aren't you tired of feeling like this? Aren't you sick of it? Isn't it disgusting at some point? I mean, at what point does pornography become just disgusting to you? That it's taken you away from wanting, really being attracted to your wife. Young guys, you're, you're sucked into 
Xbox, PlayStation, and pornography, and you're not living your life. There's a whole world out there for you to conquer. There are mountains for you to climb. But if you're locked in your room with porn and video games, you're ruining your chance. And so I think it is important that we wanna break this cycle of sin in our life. We've gotta get to the point to where yes, we are convicted, but even more so to realize that God has something better for you. God has something more for you. Don't fall for the enemy's strategies to grab your attention so that he can just fill your head with lie after lie after lie. You're not pretty enough. You're not good enough. Everything on social media is fake. Everything. Don't you believe it? The cute, the cute outfit, the beautiful girls, the sweet car, all that stuff is fake to make money. We got to believe it, don't we? They never post about signing divorce papers in the lawyer's office, do they? They don't, they don't post a picture the night they wanted to commit suicide. They don't post that stuff. Don't let the enemy lie to you. Let's keep going. Verse four, some of you are like, whoa, it's a new year, man. This is tense in here. <laughs> Woo, needed a little laughter there. Genesis three, four, and five. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not sh- surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened. It's, I don't know how old this is. I mean, you're talking thousands and thousands and thousands of years old, this text is, right? And and from the very beginning, the same strategy is being used against you and I thousands of years later, right? We think our eyes are gonna be opened if we learn this or watch this or go here, follow him or follow her. We think we're something, listen, the truth of everything we need to know is already here. It's already here. She thought her eyes would be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. What's his strategy? The strategy is lead you to doubt his word. Did God really say that? Did God really say that sex is, is only for one person in a monogamous relationship? I mean, come on, it's 2023 for crying out loud. You got to live with somebody, right? Wrong. Most people that live together end up splitting up and is up hurting and ruining the relationship, not helping Just read the data. The stats are there. Just look it up today. And over and over again, we see, here's what the word of God says about marriage and sexuality. And then here's what the world says in a completely different light, right? He wants us to doubt God's word. The enemy tells Eve that God is essentially lying. He knows that if you eat from that tree, you're going to be like him. And you know what? God doesn't want you to have that. God wants to withhold something good for you. God wants to withhold this, and so he doesn't, he doesn't want you to experience the goodness that this tree has to offer. And it's the same lie that you and I fall victim to. In Genesis chapter 2, we see what God actually says. The Lord God commanded the man, saying, you may surely eat of every tree in the garden. Every tree. You can have it all, man. You may surely eat of every tree of the garden. But of this one tree of knowledge of good and evil, don't eat from it. Because if you eat from that one, you're going to die. Now, I want you to see this verse as God's blessing. I want you to see this as God's loving um, uh, and, and, and loving kindness towards Adam in this. Sometimes we read that and, and we go negative. We go, well, why did he put it there? Well, why, why can't he eat it? 
Why, 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 why this and why that? And we look at it in a negative way, but this is God's love. This is God's loving kindness saying, hey man, I've given you all of this, right? But this is the one thing, if you do this one, it's gonna kill you, right? it's gonna hurt you. And so we have to decide, are we gonna listen? Are we gonna trust him? I know it looks shiny and good and it's, and it's engaging and it's fun and it's funny and, and all of these emotions, but it, it leads to death. It leads to pain. And we have to trust his word. The enemy wants us to doubt God's word. We don't want to see this as a negative verse, but we want to see this as a loving statement. You see, Adam and Eve are tested here. They're tested and you're tested every day. You're tested. Are you going to make the right decision or are you going to fall victim to your pride and your arrogance and your sin? And every day when we are tempted, we have these decisions that we are making and every day they impact us in a good way or a negative way. And God is showing us through his word the way that leads to truth and the way that leads to life. Not perfection, but the way that leads to life. And fulfilling our purpose in our life. And the enemy is coming alongside of you every day, encouraging you to doubt God's word. It's not gonna be good if you do that. I know this is antiquated, it's old stuff, man. There, there are so many errors in this thing, are you kidding me? It's so old, they translated it, you know, they translated it and they translated it wrong. <laughs> I mean, you've, you've, you hear it all today. Doubt God's word, doubt God's word, right? And you have the decision. You're being tested, are you gonna believe it? Or are you gonna believe the lie that it's not true? Satan's strategy was to get him to doubt God's word. Did God really say that? And it's a half lie, isn't it? It's a half truth, half lie. In verse four, uh, they didn't, they, once they did sin, scripture says that they did know right from wrong. They did know evil. Uh, but they also died. They didn't die that day, which must have been exhilarating as well. They probably thought, you know, I'm speculating here, but when you eat the fruit and all of a sudden, God said we were gonna die, we didn't. So guess what? We should keep eating it. Maybe he was lying, right? We fall victim to the same thing. We don't get caught once, so we think we're, we're free and clear. Our wife's not gonna find out, we're good. I've set up all these things. There's no way she could figure it out. God knows, right? Our parents are never gonna find out. God knows, right? The consequences will come. They did die. And, and I think it's important for us to recognize that and to understand that we wanna trust, we wanna trust, we wanna trust the word of God. We wanna understand it. And so when we have questions, we, we go to God's people and we go to God's word to find those answers. We don't run to other people that we don't know. Even if, even if they have a platform and they're this mega pastor, you know, great person and I'm gonna follow them. You know what happens if you do that? You don't know them. You trust people you've never spoke to. You've never seen their family. You don't know anything about them. And then what happens? An affair, a tragedy, if something happens, and then it wrecks your faith because you're trusting in somebody you don't even know. You're just looking at them through a screen. It's very dangerous. It's a way that the enemy is, is hurting people, raising up these guys, giving them this popularity and be like them and so engaging and so flat. Maybe they are, maybe they're great. I hope they stay that way. 
But how many have we seen fall? And then all of a sudden, the community and the people around are just broken because of it. We lean into the word of God. We trust his word. Here's the third strategy. Man, time is flying by. Verse five through six. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and she ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. Here's the point. The enemy wants us to focus on what we're missing. He wants you to focus on what you're missing, right? And so in this text, your eyes are going to be opened. You're going to be like God. You're going to know good and evil. Oh, that's good. Because I don't think I'm like God now. That would be fantastic if I could be like him. The temptation is that you're going to experience more. The temptation, it's going it's to fulfill you. You're going to be happier. You're going to be more focused. It's going to be more money. And so the temptation is all the things that you and I are missing. And so it's important for us to recognize the strategy. The enemy is going to make sin look good in your life. In verse 6, Eve looked at the fruit and saw that, that it was good for food, that it was pleasing to the eye. It looked good to her, right? And, and then it was desirable for gaining wisdom, all of the good that she was going to get if she disobeyed God. That's what the enemy is doing in your life as well. Here's what you are missing. You're missing fun. You're missing pleasure. You're missing the good life. And if that, if that bitterness, if that root grows in your heart, then you won't care what the word of God says. You'll say, you know what? I deserve it. I only live once, so I got to make it count. And so I'm going to go for it, man. It's going to please me. It's going to be happy. Everybody else is enjoying it. Everybody else is getting paid. Everybody else is, 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 is getting all the rewards and benefits. So I'm going to go for it as well. It's pride. We think we can get away with it. And we think everybody else is getting away with it. Nobody's getting away with anything. Sin is disobedience. Sin brings pain and suffering into our life every time. Ultimately, sin brings death. And without the forgiveness of Jesus Christ, sin brings eternal punishment. And so we have a decision to make. No one is getting away with it. Everyone needs to understand the strategies that the enemy is using. We have to understand that God is calling us to something greater. What's the result quickly here? The result is in verse seven. Then the eyes of both were opened they knew that they were naked. They sewed fig leaves together, made themselves loincloths. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. What's the result? Isolation and shame. This is where some of you are living today. Because of sin in your life, you're isolating yourself. Because of sin in your life, there is shame in your life. They knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together to hide themselves. Some of you are hiding yourself. You're hiding yourself from God. You're hiding yourself from relationships. You're trying to hide the rejection in your life. You're trying to hide the sin in your life. You're hiding the addiction in your life. You're trying to hide the pain that you've gone through. 
You're, you're, you're hiding the emptiness that you're feeling today. You're, you're in isolation and you're in shame. You're not in a small group. You're not actively trying to seek out godly friendships and community. And you're letting the lies and the shame that the enemy wants you to hear and believe run wild in your life. It doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't have to be that way. He wants us to focus on what we're missing. He wants us to sin and then he wants us to feel isolated and he wants us to feel the shame. He wants us to hide. You see, we have to understand that your adversary, the devil, he prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. And you know what the lion does? The lion is very patient. He stalks his prey and he wants to isolate that, that animal from the, from the herd because it's easier to, to take one down when, when, when he or she is, is isolated from the herd. He wants to go after the weak. He wants to go after the young ones, right? And so he's not, he's not gonna roar, let everybody know he's there. He's gonna be very subtle. He's gonna be very quiet. Why? Because he wants, to, he wants to ruin what God wants to do in your life. And so you're in isolation, you're in shame. The lion is hunting you. And in many ways he's winning. But what happens next? This is my favorite part. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, where are you? Where are you? You see, we serve a God who's on a rescue mission for you today. We serve a God that comes looking for you. We serve a God that knows you're hiding behind the sin and the shame. He knows what's behind the fig leaf today. He knows what you're trying to keep a secret today, but he still chooses to run to you. Where are you? God calls to them like he didn't know. Of course he knew where they were. And so I want you to hear that today, that, that God loves you and and despite the sin that is in your life and despite the pain that you are experiencing in your life, God is running and looking for you. He wants to do something new in your life this year. He wants you to overcome that sin. He wants your marriage to be healed. He wants you to make a difference for his kingdom. He wants you to experience his joy. He wants you to experience what it feels like to get rid of that shame. He wants you to understand what it feels like to be in a healthy relationship with other believers. Right? This is the God we're serving. This is the God that is looking for you today. Second thing that we do because of sin is man said the woman, God finds him and says, hey, what'd you do? Why, 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 who told you you were naked? And the man instantly said, well, the woman that you gave to me, she gave me the fruit and I ate it. And then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this that you have done? And the woman said, well, the serpent deceived me and I ate. <laughs> what do we do every time? We start to blame others. You're in sin today. Chances are you're blaming other people. It's your parents' fault. It's your wife's fault. It's your boss's fault. It's your friend's fault. It's your church's fault. It's your pastor's fault. Whose fault is it? I don't know. A hundred people might be on your list. I don't know. All I, all I know is that we blame people. And as long as we're blaming people and isolating ourselves, we're gonna to continue to live in shame. And what the scripture calls us to is to confess our sin and repent of our sin, take responsibility for our part. You can't fix what happened in the past. You can't change what, how somebody hurt you. We know this. We can't live in our past if we wanna embrace our future. 
So God is calling you and I to confess, to repent, to turn from our sins so that we can embrace his life, the life that he has for us. The result of this sin though, separated them. Therefore, the Lord God sent him out of the garden. They got kicked out of the garden because of this sin. You see, sin always has consequences. Sin always, always separates us from God. Sin is separating you from God today. Sin is separating you from your spouse and your kids and your parents and it separates, it isolates. We go into hiding in the garden. And so what do we have to do? We have to realize that the God who is looking for you, even in the midst of your sin, is calling you out of your sin. He's calling you out of your shame. He's calling you to make a difference in your own life and in the life of the kingdom of God. He is calling you to purpose. Jesus comes that he would take what is ugly and disgusting in our lives and he would make it beautiful by taking it upon himself on the cross and dying for our sin and offering us forgiveness. And some of you need to embrace that forgiveness and give your life to Jesus today. Christians in the room, you need to lay down sin in your life today and pursue God with a reckless abandonment. It is time for you to get serious about your faith. It is time for you to quit pretending that you are a good person and pretending that, you know, on Monday through Saturday, you're this person. And then on Sunday, all of a sudden you're this good guy. It's time for you to get serious about what God is doing in your life. And that means admitting your sin, turning from that sin. What is the one area in your life that you know you need to repent of, you need to turn from? How do we do it? Well, there's two ways that we're gonna do it. We're gonna do it together. We're gonna create space. So we're gonna create space and time in our, in our minds, in our hearts, in our life by getting rid of some of the junk. And so we're gonna, we're gonna put down Netflix for 21 days. We're gonna put down TV all together for 21 days. You see, man, that's, 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 that is like hardcore, man. That is weak sauce if you think that is hardcore. Guys in the Bible fasted from food for 40 days to pursue holiness. <laughs> I mean, giving up TV, if you think that's gonna be difficult and it probably will for you, I don't wanna minimize the challenge, but if we can't do that to pursue holiness in God, then we really are a weak people. If we can't give up social media for 21 days, then what kind, of, what kind of man are you? If you can't put down TikTok for 21 days, what kind of men are we if we can't put down video games for 21 days? We're weak. So my challenge for you is to create space. It might be food, but it might need to be something that lasts for 21 days. That's at least the goal for me is that it would be 21 days that you create space from media, from something in your life that would give you uh, time and focus to pursue God. And so the second thing is, I want you to remember Bible before. Bible before. Everybody say Bible before. Say it again. One more time. Bible before what? Everything. Bible before you go to work, Bible before lunch, Bible before you make a decision, Bible before you fight, Bible before you talk about your goals, Bible before you get frustrated, Bible before you watch Fox News or CNN, Bible before you look at anything on your phone, Bible before everything, 
everything, everything. And I promise you, if you commit even just for the next 21 days to say, okay, I'm going to read through the book of Proverbs. I'm going to read the verse that's on my sheet. I'm going to read through the book of Proverbs. There's 31 uh, chapters in Proverbs. There's 30 or 31 days every month. You could read through it every month. You could read through the gospel of Luke this month. I know some people are like, I'm going to read the entire Bible this year. And they get into Leviticus and they're just pummeled. They just can't make it. I want to encourage you to be wise about this. If you don't have the discipline yet, start in the Gospel of Luke. Start in Proverbs, something that is going to get you through and you're not going to get weighed down there uh, by lamentations. Um, but do something. Do a plan. There's, get the Bible app. There's millions. We don't lack for resources today. They're all over the place. But what we lack is self-discipline. What we lack is strength. But the strength comes from the Lord. And he'll change your life if you get into this book. He'll change your life if you start talking to him. It doesn't have to be an hour a day. That was the lie that I believed early on. I gotta give you an hour today or you know, I gotta do something. With one bite, the world was broken. And listen, the same can be true in a good way. One decision, one commitment, one bite, one step can lead you in a positive direction today. So what will that be? for you. Let me pray for you. Father, you are good and we love you and we are distracted and we, God, struggle every day with the things that take our attention away from you. <clears throat> and so Lord, today and throughout this series, God, would you put on our heart whatever sin is in our life that we need to repent of, that we need to turn from. And may today be the first step that we repent and we confess and we turn to you. All over the room today, what is that area? What, what is that sin that you need to give to God today? Would you just tell him now? Would you just confess it now? Would you turn from it now? Would you seek his help now? Make the commitment today that you're gonna give up something for him and be intentional for the next 21 days. I dare you, be strong in the Lord. You can do this. God wants to change something in you. Lord, we know it and believe it in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for watching this video. We'd love for you to like the video and leave a comment. And we also encourage you to subscribe and click the bell so you never miss a post from Foothills Church. To learn more about FC, just head to our website by going to foothillschurch.com or by clicking the link in the description below.